So, Francesco Bagnaia brought home a fantastic home win at Mugello for the Italian Grand Prix. Overall attendance, 17. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. And sadly, it wasn't 17,000 either. Hey gang, welcome to episode 368 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friend and neighbor host, Dre Harrison. And uh, oh, the last of the triple header for Classics Weekend, MotoGP's Italian Grand Prix. The one that I was looking for the most on paper might have actually been the most sad, actually, because uh, it was just... I apologize for this programming error as part of Classics 5. Uh, we, we, uh, we acknowledge our mistake, and uh, that's why the first leg next year will be Super GT. Yeah, yes. right. Yeah, <laughs> we found a replacement, gang. It's, it's okay. We don't need Mugello anymore. Um, that sounded like a dawn of crisis meeting for a second there after they saw the attendance figures. Um, this was a interesting Italian Grand Prix. A lot of talking points, but sadly, little for the actual race itself. But we're going to talk about a varied range of stuff on the Italian Grand Prix and all things Mugello. But first, let's go around the horn. First up. Count Buckley, how's it going, man? Um, I'm sad. Yes. Lying as a matter of fact, I'm quite devastated. Got it, got it. Well, we 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 probably you probably know the main event reason why if you've been paying attention to MotoGP for the last week, but we'll get into that very shortly. King, are you sad too? <laughs> Damn. As much as I slander them on the Discord server on an everyday basis, <laughs> please come to your race. Please show up. <laughs> 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 hey, Shane, that's the at? most positive thing I've heard about Italians out of you in years. <laughs> Check, stop Italian hate. <laughs> you should tell Ferrari. They're hating on themselves at this point. <sighs> what? Well, <laughs> oh, Jay, how's it going, my man? Um, I was just under the impression that, you know, people in Italy heard bike racing and like, right, last stage of the Giro. Shout <laughs> 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 out to Joy Hindley, who won the Giro. Good for him, man. Yeah. Oh, but, uh, yeah. Uh, we'll get into the Italian Grand Prix. We have to get into an overwhelming, overriding number one story that was little to do with the Grand Prix itself, funnily enough. Mark Marquez is going to have to have a fourth surgery on his right arm. We'll get into the details and the nitty-gritty behind that, first and foremost, at the top of the show very shortly. We'll also uh, talk about the fact that Magello was um, a little barren this weekend. Um, let's just say less than half full. Which, uh, is that good? Um, I, I don't think that's good. I'm just throwing that one out there. It's a bit of a struggle. And we'll also talk about the race of Francesco Bagnaia, a, uh, a thumping home win for the man. And we'll talk a, bit, a little bit about that, the wacky qualifying session, the fact that VR46 had a nosebleed at their home Grand Prix, um, and a bunch of other fun stuff as well. Um, stuff I like to call the any other business section because there was a, there was a, a lot of little things to talk about that came out of Michelle, but not a lot of real big stuff. But well, besides the obvious, but uh, we'll get into that in a minute. But first, this is where you can find us real quick. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport one on Facebook. 
facebook.com forward slash motorsport101. We're on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. If you want to find our personal handles, you can at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, at cbuckley917, and at RJ O'Connell. Get your followers in for King real quick before the Italians hunt him down off the back of that last comment. Um, <laughs> check him out there if you haven't already. We're on Instagram at motorsport101pod. You can follow us on there for updates on all that content. And, of course, the website itself is motorsport101.com. Written stuff by me as bonus content on all the races that take that took part on Classic Spot, except the beloved Super GT. Sorry about that, RJ. Um, in general. That's fine. All- DailySportsCar.com, comprehensive race review. It's up yep. there. You know, all right. At least we're it. not covering the uh, coveted six hours of Charlotte. No. Which, terrifyingly, was actually a pretty good race this year if you, you have could a five- stay awake. We have a five-star mm-hmm. race that goes on for hours, and in the end, Hamlin wins, lol. Yeah. Well, Austin Dillon is a silly man and deserves... Well, he deserves your pity at this point. Yeah, something something along those lines. All of that, and much more. And, of course, if you like to back us financially, you can at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101 for all the details on there. Let's talk a bit about Mark Marquez, folks. Um, yeah. So... Mark Marquez announced Saturday evening he's stepping away from MotoGP indefinitely to have a fourth surgery on his right arm on Thursday. Mark explained that as his arm was healing from the third surgery, his humerus was starting to twist, meaning he couldn't ride his bike properly. Uh, Pulled out in the middle of the weekend. Obviously didn't race. Obviously won't be racing for a while. Um, Lots to get into. What's your thoughts on this whole thing. It's first and foremost, as I'm like, I make no bones about it. I'm a huge Mark Marquez fan. I'm absolutely gutted for him. First and foremost, I've, I've grown up literally watching this man ride a motorcycle. And you know, it's, it's weird seeing a 29 year old Mark Marquez now talking about this and look despondent. The thing about Marquez I've noticed over the years, he's always got a smile on his face. He's always happy. He's always chirpy. You know, he always looks for the positives. Every time you ever see him in a press conference, he's always looking for the positives. It broke my heart seeing him talk about how he can't continue like this and that, you know, if he kept going like this, he was going to retire because he was just so unhappy and he can't do this anymore. And for some reason... People leaned into this thinking that, oh, well, Mark's just finished or he's, you know, retire, Mark. You can't keep doing it like this anymore. And, you know, you can't keep doing this or Marquez is done. The great thing about all of this is that this fourth surgery has given him some hope. It's given him the belief that he might just be able to get back to 100% because, King, I didn't realize where he was going. I mean, inform the people where he's going because I didn't realize it's about where he's going until you mentioned it just before we started recording. Yes, so he's going to the world-renowned Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, not New York. Uh, And the Mayo Clinic for probably the last 60, 70 years has been the most renowned hospital in the United States. Uh, maybe even the world. Uh, if if you want if you want the best surgical care 
imaginable in the United States. You go into the Mayo Clinic. This is, without hyperbole, as King said, perhaps the finest hospital in the world. Yeah. And um, in this situation, this is his path back, if he can get there. This is his path to back to being Mark Marquez, because he's not here to finish sixth, sixth place and struggle all the way there. He's here to win. And in addition to the, the, I could say the dismay around his attitude during that press conference, what struck me was the way he spoke and it was translated back in um, from Spanish to English, how hungry he is to get back to being who he wants to be. Mm. The, the, these yeah. are not the words of someone who is defeated. Mm. This is these are the words of someone who feels like they have a path back, yeah. but it is going to be a long time, and we don't we we won't know the outcome of that surgery. Basically, they're going to have to re-break his arm surgically. Yeah, dude, that's metal. <laughs> uh, quite literally, because they're going to titanium plate it all back together. Um, because as it stands now with the way that his, the bone has rotated, everything's out of alignment. He's getting ferocious arm pump. He's getting, he's wearing his shoulder out, which has already been weakened enough from previous injuries, you know, well-documented throughout 2018 and 2019. And with Mm. all that, he was still only a second off of the best Honda rider, Taka Nakagami in the race on Sunday. (laughs) He raced on with this. This, this, this. this whole press conference was on Saturday afternoon after qualifying, which he had a hellacious crash so massive that the front fork of his bike literally it splintered snapped. the front tire out of the bike. I've <sighs> never seen that in 20 years of bike racing. I've never seen an accident like that. So, of course, combine that with the rumors that were just coming through from Speed that he was going to have this fourth surgery. Like, I was watching on BT Sports coverage. Neil Hodgson was drinking, like, a five-gallon jug of narrative juice. Like, directly. Like, he was gushing in, like, just narrative. Like, oh, he's, gonna, he's, he's crazy. He can't keep doing this. He's going to destroy himself, et cetera, et cetera. Look, I've said it before, and I will say this again. This is who Mark Marquez is. This is why he is admired by everyone in this paddock. This is why he is admired by fans worldwide. He is the best thing that has happened to this sport in the last 20 years. I stand by this. Uh, I, I, I will take it to my last breath. This man is the breath of fresh air that this sport needed after years of Valentino Rossi dominance. Because he has redefined how you ride a motorcycle. I've I've said it before and I will say it again here. He's the most freakish talent I have ever Everything, seen. Everything this sport. is the fourth surgery on this bone. Fourth. Everything about this is freakish. Everything. Yeah, though, okay. I again I get where the place of concern is coming from. Because, oh, yeah. because for years we've you know referred to like I see many journalists refer to, you know, keeping a crash count on the season for Mark Marquez. Like from an outside perspective, this doesn't look sustainable. We talk about this in terms of, uh, like, we t- in other sports, we talk about this being, like, 
something that should be worried about. Someone's long-term health after If this was concussions, right, or if this was, like, his eye problem getting worse and worse and worse, like, then yeah, that would be I would legitimate. Be fearful. I would be fearful for yeah. his life. In this, this case, I what this surgery been. is, is right with the way that the previous surgery healed, he can't keep going. Yeah. No. Right, that's and also that, sad. Yeah. I, I, I Trust me. A healthy Mark Marquez may not be the best thing for the prognostications of a close MotoGP championship, but it is the best thing for the sport to see this dude firing out all cylinders. Absolutely. And we miss that. Look, I get, like, I, I completely agree with King for what it's worth. Like, for the most part, the concern comes from a good place. And concern is good. Concern means you care. That is a good thing. We need people to care. Like, as much as the, like, this is inherently one of the most dangerous sports on earth. And I will never, ever you know, lose sight of that as a bike racing fan. Concern oh, yeah. We can, we can definitely take MotoGP and the way that they handle safety on a, on rider safety and a number of issues to task on a lot of other subjects. Oh, God, hell yeah. And, and look, as you said, with concussions, with eye injuries, like the Dipolopa that we talked about before, like the differences with pain, like arm pain like this, you can stop when the pain is too much. With concussions and eye injuries, you don't know when the next one's coming. So you've always got to be careful when it comes to things like that. This should be hope. This is the hope that we need that Marquez is going to be back to 100%. And I really, really hope that happens. And look, the man finished his race, I think, in 10th place in the end. And almost everyone on the paddock was giving Marquez the wave goodbye and, you know, the the friendly shot up saying, oh, best of luck, mate, on the way out. And the social media reports, and I'm seeing the amount of people that are tagging him from across the sport, like Alex Rins and DJ Antonio and James Tozen. There's a man who knows about a career being cut (laughs) short through injury. Um, One of the finest bike riders this country has ever produced, Um, you know, Jonathan Ray, who's his old mucker from World Superbikes as well. Those two have a lot of respect for each other. And Jonathan was one of the first guys to wish him well. We've come a long way from 2015. He is now a universally loved and appreciated rider. So it actually warmed my heart a little bit. You know, this, this sport still has a bit of a Band of Brothers vibe to one of their own. And look, as King has joked to me when I talked about it on Discord, He's an eight-time world champion for a reason. And the reason he's doing this is because he is Mark Marquez and because he is an eight-time world champion. Do not let the smiles and, you know, the 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 the, the, the smiles and the, and the giggles fool you. Behind that, there is one of the most dedicated and brave athletes that I have ever seen in any sport I've ever watched. Um, if there is one man that can come back from something like this, it's Mark Marquez. And um, I think we will see him back next season, hopefully, at something near. He's in the best, he's literally in the best possible hands to fix this problem. It, this can... is, but here's the thing with this this is probably the last roll of the dice. It is. Yeah. I can't lose sight of that either. If, like, it sucks to say, if the Mayo Clinic can't resolve this physical issue, 
that probably isn't going to be resolved. Mm. And if he hung it up tomorrow, he's still probably like the third greatest rider to ever throw a leg over a motorcycle. Well, he's just going to be gutted it. that he's not second or first. Because that's the yeah. thing. Like, I think I think one of his main motivations, like I do not want to finish behind that man who betrayed me all those years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he's only one behind. He's only one behind. And um, he'll won number nine. There is no doubt about that. There'll be some fancy elaborate celebrations already got in his head just thinking about it. But uh, okay. on behalf of everybody here, get well soon, Mark Marquez. Please get well we, soon. We're going to miss you. And uh, we hope this works out. Because, we hope uh, that we don't have to worry about something like this for a long Yeah, time. because uh, for me, there is no greater box office figure in motorsport than him when he's at his very best. He's and, too uh, this, good to not be around. Precisely. Yeah, hey, we'll uh, yeah, there was a. I don't know if you know this, but there was an actual Italian Grand Prix that happened this weekend. Uh, we had Fabio Di Giantonio won pole position for this. Huh? <laughs> Francesco Bagnaia won from fifth on the grid. VR46 got both of their bikes on the front row. Yeah. Fabio Cordero <laughs> finishes second behind. Alicia Sparger finishes third. Those three cover by just two seconds. So, Benyaya, Corderaro, and Espargaro. Is this your three-way fight for the title and not Anea Bastianini who crashed out of things? Yes. <sighs> Probably. Because every time I feel like Bastianini is going to get a run together, he tips the bike into the gravel. He's got to find some middle ground between winning and crashing. There has to be something in the middle there to it's, put it's like, a championship challenge. It's like whenever Renea knows he's in like eighth place, he panics and he crashes. It's like, I've got to get to the front. Shit, there goes so the he front just o- He just oversteps the mark. Yeah, it's, it's you can't win a title winning it or bidding it. Cam, you'll know this one. It, it's like the days of Lorenzo Baldessari when he was in Moto2. It was just like... Yeah. It was win or crash. There was no middle ground, literally. Like, and you can't win a championship doing that. You better do a whole fucking lot more winning than crashing if you're if that's your way. Um, no, it's 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 just not sustainable. Um, we keep saying it. Lace ain't going away. He's in the championship fight after Magello, and I've seen enough. He should be treated as a legitimate championship contender, barring any sort of late season collapse. I, I can't disagree. Like we got to Magello, we're more than a third of the way through the season now. Like we now know he's that, eight points away. Yeah, we like we are now eight rounds down through twenty. We're forty percent through the year. He's still in contention. He's still only eight points off the top of the championship. No one else, like, he's, he's got open sea behind him with Bastianini 20 points behind him now. Like, he's not even under threat from behind. Like, right now, it's a two-horse title race, and one of them is Aleisha Espargaro. What crack have we been smoking in this Discord to get to this point? Like, how? <laughs> anybody imagine this? Like, if anybody imagined this last year, right? Please tell me your lottery numbers. Like, I need to be a rich man because this Kevin is Walsh is somewhere molding. <laughs> There's a lot of people right now that are cursing the fact that Alicia Spagaro, 
He's just there. He's that guy this year. He's inevitable. He's just always there. He's the Michelin man of MotoGP riders. No, no, don't you don't you put that evil on him, Harrison. <laughs> don't you put that evil on him. But is that not the perfect role for someone that half the sport hates and is still just there anyway? Like, I think more than think half the sport hate Michelin this? these days. <laughs> He's just there, and it's it, it's weird we're not even talking about the man that won the race, and that's Francesco Bagnaia. This man is so fucking fast when he needs to be. It's it, it's it's ridiculous. Again, it's just, it, it, it just goes back to the same problem with Bastianini. He's got to find some middle ground between winning and crashing. Right. If he finds it, if he finds the sweet spot, he's going to win this championship. I'm almost certain of that. Yeah. Like. Was he most of our preseason picks to win, and then Ducati? Uh, I think we all picked Mark Marquez. That's right we out all, the fucking all, window at this point. We all picked Mark Marquez. We are all shameless, filthy Marquez fans here. Um, and uh, we, we all looked at Banyai, who was just outside Marquez as Bookie's favorite, and then we all were just like, nope, Mark. We're picking Mark. <laughs> Mark Marquez, everybody. Wrong. Again. <laughs> yeah, but, it, was uh, con- it was contingent on him being healthy, which, of course... He isn't. No. Uh, so, it's just, again, the man right behind him, Fabio Quartararo, again, working miracles on a not-all-that-fast Yamaha. And he just, he, he won't go away either. The top two in the championship can't pull out more than, like, single-digit points on one another on a given weekend. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Like, again, we're not even talking about how good Fabio Quadraro was in all this either. Quadraro was six temps behind. We know this Yamaha is a donkey. And yet, Fabio Quadraro, to borrow a phrase from our friend Kevin Walsh, he's bringing a knife to a gunfight every week and is somehow winning. <laughs> he's basically Zorro at this point. I don't understand how he keeps doing this in this <laughs> Yamaha. Six steps behind going over the line. He's the world Fabio champion. Fabio said it was his it was his best ride in MotoGP to date. And I can believe it. Remember when he, we were worried about his long term future at Yamaha? I, mean, I still kinda am, but like uh, oh believe it, it wasn't Yamaha trying to ditch him. They wouldn't dare. It's the other way around. Hey, I mean, um do we have any other thoughts on Fabio on all this? Like our, our our potential title fight. I mean, so far that's been basically it because no one else has been, well, frankly, anywhere. That's the problem. It's like Bastianini is now twenty eight points behind Guadarrama. He's now more than a race back. Bagnaia is thirteen points behind him. Like Bagnaia, despite the win. With Fabio finishing right behind him in second, Bagnaia is still 41 points behind Guadararo. It's the better part of two races back. It's it's like Govi and Marquez all over again. Bagnaia can ride the nuts off his duke gain, to gain five points. That's not going to cut him. <laughs> no. You're not going to win the title that way because Fabio's just going to follow you home, and that's all he has to do is just... Yeah. And, and Fabio would end up winning the title that way because Bagnaia has not proven to be consistent over an entire season yet. That's the problem. 
Speaking of falling off, um, one of our big, one of the big drawing points of Magella, especially in recent years, is just the sea of humanity that shows up this event <laughs> every single year, but not this time. Yeah, this is the only place in the world where the sea level is falling. Seventy-three thousand for the weekend. <laughs> Seventy-three thousand for the weekend. Forty-six thousand on race day. Very fittingly, uh, for out of perspective, the race day record in twenty sixteen was a tad over a hundred thousand. We had forty-six thousand on race day. Ooh. Obviously, uh, there is somebody that is missing from the grid. Although he wasn't missing for the weekend because Valentino Rossi had his number forty-six retired. Yeah, and he's still that? there as a, as a uh, team executive in MotoGP. But is there a Rossi-sized elf in the room about MotoGP's future in Italy? I mean, Dre, you've mm. you've done some additional research about just what a what a precious ticket it is to get to Mugello. I took time out of my busy schedule of fighting Simon Patterson on Twitter to do some digging regarding this. Um, P.S. By the way, and I will have no problem saying this on the record. No, can-can dancers are not an example of over-sexualizing women in motorsport. Just before I point that one out, Simon, if you're listening. Um, no, no I, I should point out that maybe, <laughs> maybe keep the Moulin Rouge in Paris. Yeah, sure. Oh, that that you can have an argument about. That one, no. Like, the umbrella girls are right there, Simon. Um... <laughs> Just, just, just want to point that one out, buddy. Um, no, I did, I did do a bit of digging on this, and yeah, the ticket prices have gone up a little bit over over time. They are now to the point where a grandstand seat for the weekend will set you back about three hundred and twenty bucks American, two hundred and twenty in Queens English. That's like um, Miami Grand Prix money. That's the, the, for a, for a MotoGP race. That's pretty steep. I'm not gonna lie. It's I think Silverstone tickets for like the weekend are like less than 150, like that, and, and that's like grandstand seats. That's top of the line seats. I, like Mugello is expensive. Now I don't want to completely rail on the track for this. But there are other factors, you know. It's there is no Rossi that does not help. The cost of living has generally gone up worldwide due to the, the, the crisis in Ukraine and the economical strain that's come with that. In the UK, we are going through it right now, to say the least. Regarding oh, that. brother, are um, you like you do not want to see my energy bills? I tell you, but um, there is a couple of other factors in play here. But you don't go from a Grand Prix that had, you know. On average, seventy to eighty thousand on race day to forty-six thousand without something catastrophic happening, and like, I, like as RJ alluded to, it's not like Rossi had completely gone. He was getting a big old ceremony on on the home straight, front and center. For his number being retired, which, oh, by the way, fun fact, the man didn't even really want the number retired. But he showed up anyway in jean shorts and a t-shirt, like he's John Cena. Brilliant. Um, Valentino uh, Rossi wears jorts. Jorts? Jorts, everybody. And there was 19,000 people there qualifying. Fine speech. 
<laughs> there was only 19,000 people there at quarterfinal to watch his number get retired from the school. That packs the house and, and Americans sticking ball sports. Yeah, like it, 19,000 there, and I think 18,500 was all the angry journalists saying, Why are you retiring his number? Why can't Nicolo Boudiga use it instead to, to, to emulate the man's legacy? Yeah, journals get really pissy about numbers being retired. Don't ask me why. It's really weird. Personally, but, um, I think they should really retire the number one for Mick Dewan. I mean, he owned that thing. I, yeah, I think, why not? I think the writing fraternity has decided to uh, to just honor the number themselves by not running it. Yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, but there is a hole here, and that's a big fucking Valentino Rossi-sized hole. That is Has not it here. ever been like another sport that's faced like, like obviously like a lot of major sports have seen like a transcendent athlete step out of their ranks. The NHL had Wayne Gretzky walk away from the sport. And that was a lot to uh, that was a lot to process. Mm. Uh, yeah, though, like the National Hockey League's always had, you know, it's, you know, ice hockey in large parts of the U.S. and across all of Canada is basically a religion. So, is, like, the, NBA gonna fa- is the NBA no going to face the same thing when uh, when LeBron hangs it up? What about when Tom Brady actually decides to hang it up in the NFL? Oh, in New England, in there's going to be people who stop <laughs> watching football. <laughs> We're not here for Mac Jones. Um, no. You should the be, Bama you bandwagoners. Disres- the Bama disrespect on this podcast. Look, look, look. <laughs> I, I would say is that the thing is, is that other sports have got transcendent stars. You mentioned Tom Brady. You mentioned Wayne Gretzky. There's still an infrastructure in those major sports where there is enough star power to go around. Look at the NBA. You, you, you see the new generation of guys like Yanis and but, Jokic and Embiid come through. They will capture that audience, no but doubt. But the thing though. is... All those sports you talked about are team sports. Like, oh, yeah. no matter the superstar appeal of certain athletes, they always have they always have the teams to fall back on. Yeah, where sure. teams have big fan bases. I guess in a way, it's more like you know what happens to golf after Tiger hangs up. What happens to men's tennis once Rafa, Roger, and Novaks. The man who got his ass beat last night. Yes, I, I suck Novak. Um, anyway, I mean, I mean, uh, the most equivalent thing you can think of is a certain team leaving Formula One. Granted, hmm. they probably should in shame after what happened in Monaco. <laughs> I digress. Yeah, uh, I, I was gonna that's say probably in, the closest equivalent. Yeah, in our, in our world, that would, I think would probably be the only one because I know there is so many people out there that are just casual Ferrari fans. About, and they're about the only team, okay. I would say, that people truly get behind besides the hardcore 50,000 of Norris stands on Twitter that love McLaren like an adopted child. But um, in MotoGP, we just don't fuck with manufacturers like that. Like we, the, like you don't get a dedicated Honda grandstand. You get a Mark Marquez grandstand. You get the Valentino Rossi grandstand. You got the Jorge Lorenzo grandstand. Well, yeah, you don't you have know. a Honda grandstand. No one would show up. <laughs> yeah, like like all, all four of them. I mean, shit. What, what can you do? Um, well, hey, I, I, I think it is also important to point out that Dorna decided. Dorna and you know MotoGP as a whole decided. 
oh, not only we're going to induct Ross into the Hall of Fame, we're going to retire his number, uh, like we're going to make this whole big deal, uh, you know, the year after Rossi leaves the sport. We've had, they had they enough give time. This, they didn't give this any time to marinate. Yeah, there's been no time to forget Valentino. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because, like, Valentino's still here. He's been to half the round since he's retired as a team boss, just to you know, check his boys out and whatnot. He's still in motorsport, obviously, as a GT driver now. Like, has Rossi actually gone away? It doesn't he actually. He hasn't retired. Like... He just switched series. Yeah, yeah. He's, just li- he's literally just changed sports. Like, it's like he's still here. And the, like you say, he's Michael King, Jordan like... playing baseball, only he's actually <laughs> yeah. good at it. Yeah, like, King's absolutely right. Like, we've not. I don't think it's really sunk in yet that Valentino Rossi is gone after 25 years of him being in bike racing. He's gone. The, the body is still warm and his number's being retired. And that's a The body's still of, speaking, Dre. Yeah, like, the, the body's not even dead. But, like, with Dorna, and King's right to mention this, they don't retire their dudes. Like, like they normally stick people in the Hall of Fame almost immediately. That's probably the issue here. Jorge Lorenzo, it happened to him. The moment he retired, he was immediately inducted into the MotoGP Hall of Fame. Straight away. Like, they did not waste any time on that one whatsoever. And they inducted him straight away. They, they, I mean, the other major ones we've had in recent times have been, sadly, for fatalities. Like, you know, like Nicky Hayden, for example, unfortunately. But, like, and then, you know, let's be fair, Max Biaggi also ret- was also inducted into the Hall of Fame this weekend as well. And I love me some Roman Emperor, so congrats to Big Max on that one. Um, by the way, let's, 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 let's get a shout-out. Congratulations. I'm sorry you're having to play second fiddle to Valentino Rossi again. Again. <laughs> again. But um, even so, like, King's absolutely right. The body is still speaking, and yet the sport doesn't like the man's died yesterday by retiring his number, which unfortunately normally only comes with such things happening. It's yeah. really strange. I mean, they, they've tried to cash in on it so soon that they've missed it. Because, like, personally, if I was heading Jorna, if I was the boss's boss of Lewis Sutterby, uh <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Oh no, okay. <laughs> you keep going, buddy. <laughs> I would I would probably would have waited maybe five years. Maybe if I had to actually plan it out to make it a good probably like maybe multi weekend event, I'd sure. I'd make it centered around an anniversary, maybe the fifteenth anniversary of his last title win in two thousand nine. Like yeah. really so Dude, like, that would just piss people off. But the thing is, so much time would have passed that people would have, you know, think about it fondly. A lot of the writers who were in that season could probably come back, say a couple of words about, you know, both those satellites, 2008-2009, and yeah. really make an event over Rossi's number being retired. Yeah. Treat it like you treated his retirement, his final race at Valencia last year, where the whole weekend was effectively dedicated to him. You had the title plaques, and in, in the paddock, you had the giant mural on the side of the control tower. You had the fantastic video tribute from more famous people than God. You know, you had the whole paddock lineup to wave Give him around. Give him the Derek Jeter treatment. Yeah, <laughs> why not? He's the, he's the only transcendent star your sport has ever had. Yeah, because 
And if it was, say, the 15th anniversary of the 2009 title, it'd be in 2024. Not that far away. Sure. Not this, where it's just, oh, by the way, we're, we're, we're retiring Rossi's number. I mean, you rewatched up for this, and like, yeah, <laughs> just 19,000 people showed up. Yeah. 19,000. That's like less than, that's like less than Brentford get during a Premier League football game. Like, it's just crazy how, like, I was just like, really? Like, I was watching, I was watching it as it happened, because they, they put Brentford Supri on we Twitter. Have a Brentford supporter in our community. <laughs> and? What's your point? Who? Uh, um, it's uh, Vic. But it's even the... so, like, you, and, I was watching... This, and like... I should point out that mm. there was no way to actually capitalize on this. So, say, uh, if you wanted to go just to see his number being retired, uh, there's no way you could have prepared, because they announced that his number was getting retired on May 14th. Yeah, yeah, yeah just it, smother so... this in hype. It, it just feels like it was tacked on. Yeah, rather than but, something that was genuinely planned out. But they saw the initial they saw the initial ticket sales and they're like, we need to do something. Congratulations, you wasted a future opportunity and you barely improved. <laughs> what are you, the Philadelphia 76ers? <laughs> That's the process, am I right? Trust the um, process. There are some no. other things that happen. Mm, mm. But but we can also wrap um, up let me read time. let me read a number off to the audience. Mm. <clears throat> three hundred and sixty three point three kilometers per hour, That's or in classic terms, two hundred and twenty six point two miles per hour. Now I would feel barely safe doing that if I were in a, an enclosed carbon fiber tub. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, what about uh, what about bare ass to the world except for your leathers? <laughs> I would not feel safe. Jorge Martin, everybody, broke the all-time MotoGP record that's only a year old. It, it, it was matched at this very Grand Prix a year ago by Brad Binder. Um, he went 225.2 miles an hour last year on the KTM. Um Martin has totally milked this on Twitter, and I don't blame him. By all means, man, stick your name on Get this your because uh, or, or purple was the bike snap purple because Prima now sponsored him. Not not that Prima, not the two Prima. Uh, the Prima Italian insurance firm uh, has now marked so now the the uh, the, the Primax are now white and purple. Not, don't know how I feel about well, that. Of course, but... it went that fast while it was on the lean. <laughs> of course. 226.2 in uh, Queen Jubilee Freedom Units. Um, because we're bringing back Imperial figures for some silly reason. But yeah, 363.3 kilometers an hour, the highest speed ever recorded in a MotoGP event. Absolutely fucking ridiculous, is what I have to say in response to that. We are north of 225 miles an hour. We're only about 8 miles an hour off the F1 record all time, if I'm not mistaken. So, like... Yep, 234. Yeah, that's 234. We're at 226 on a bike that currently has a third of the power that an F1 car does. That's just... I know a Volkswagen that goes faster than that. Oh, God. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. Um, congrats to Jorge Martin, I guess. There wasn't much else positive to take away from this weekend. Bless him. He's here. <laughs> he arrived at the Moto2 level. Oh, oh God. Youngest winner in Moto2 history. 
so King, when am I when am I buying you like a twelve pack of stamps to ship Miguel Oliveira up out the paint? Oh my god! I think he'll buy the stamps himself. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if you want to do that. Man, what is KTM going to do? Because they're about to ditch probably their second best rider. Yeah. Miguel Oliveira made it quite like, quite clear over the course of the weekend. Um, Pit Bear has offered me a tech-free ride for next year. I'm not going back, Chief. It was basically you ain't demoting me. <laughs> you are not demoting me. It's either you keep me here or I will look elsewhere. And uh, he, did, he said and did that the same weekend. Pedro Acosta won his first Moto2 race. Um... Miggy, you might be shit out of luck, buddy. Um, I'm, just, just, I'm just throwing it out there. But uh, Pedro Acosta looks really, really good on the Moto2 bike the last couple of rounds. And uh, this might be a problem. Um, this could be a serious problem for KTM. They're going to have a headache if this keeps up. Because uh, good luck sorting that one out. Um, because Pedro Acosta is here. And he's looking very, very dangerous. The youngest intermediate class winner in Grand Prix motorcycle racing history. He was 80-odd days or so younger than Mark Marquez. Why? Because Pedro Acosta turned 18 this time last week. God, I hate it here. He's so fucking young. It's crazy. Um, also, you know, remember, gentlemen, besides RJ, do you remember how the three of us joked about had it was a tie in the qualifying duels between uh, Jev and Alex Sims last week. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, I've got a follow-up for you, because if you were watching race two of the Moto E World Cup this weekend at Mugello, we had a tie! Yeah. <laughs> we, we had a tie in Moto E. I can't believe this actually happened, where... And I, I, have, to, I have to point this out. It was, it was between uh, Dominique Agata... And uh, I won't say who was the other one involved. It, I can't believe the other right. It was, I think, it wasn't Matteo Ferrari. It was another one of the Italians. I think it was Ercio Finello. But we had a tie between them going. They were fighting for second. And they both hit the line at the same time. And the timing screen could not split them to three decimal places. <laughs> you know what's even funnier, by the way? We almost had two of these because DG Antonio beat Maverick Vinales over the line by one thousandth of a second for eleventh place. Yeah, Maverick had... Vinales just can't catch a fucking break. <laughs> <laughs> no, like we almost had two ties in one weekend. Could you imagine the odds on that? Um, but uh, like, okay, I'm gonna test. I'm gonna a quick trivia question here. Cam, you shut up because I think you know the answer to this, gentlemen. Do you know how they break the tie in MotoGP? I'm holding my breath. Um, if, is it fastest lap? If I recall from a certain, what, Moto2 race back in the day, mm. uh, isn't it? Isn't RJ correct? Isn't it fastest lap? You be correct. It is uh -huh. indeed. They... <laughs> They uh they settle it via a they settle it via whoever set the fastest lap during the race gets awarded the higher position. Um, the what you're referring to is the one two five cc race in Germany back, oh. in two, back in two thousand and seven. This was fifteen years ago. This happened where there's a familiar name. One Johann Zarco was in a fight with Hector Falbell. Um, for the win 
on, on that one. And this was 2007 in Germany, um, where they both crossed the line at the same time to win the race. Everybody was confused. Everyone was like, well, what the hell happens now? Um, turns out because Faubel set the faster race lap, Faubel got to keep the win. There was, there's not like Formula One where they would take a tie and they would split the points, etc., etc. This case, fastest race lap got the position. So Dominique Agata was given second place over. And thanks for uh, Jason in the chat for me. And it was actually Alcoba. That was um, Mark Alcoba that he uh, he split that second and third place with for the tie. So uh, there you go, folks. We we wait a long time to talk about tiebreakers in motorsport, and then two come along in the space of a fortnight. I love my job sometimes, isn't it great? Um, so there's your fun pub quiz question for you in case anyone ever asks you what happens in case two riders hit the line at the same time in MotoGP. And if it ever comes up in a pub quiz, you can thank me for that one. That was a okay. I was hoping Magello would be a bit better, but I think you said it's all be winners. When, you know, when there's little atmosphere at the place, it kind of sucks the life out of the Grand Prix a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. The Grand Prix's got to be really, really good to overcome that. Yeah, yeah. This one was just mm. fine. 46,000 on race day and only 73,000 for the entire weekend. Italy, what happened? Like, honestly, please tell me what happened. Um, because uh, we noticed. And I, ho- I hope it's like that Masano as well, later this year, because Masano needs the money. Um, so I hope that doesn't continue. And that is literally Valentino's backyard and we go there later this year. So... We'll have to wait and see. I hope it's not a trend. Lamont gave me some hope that, you know, because Lamont always gets 100,000. But here, oh boy, not so great. Right, let's get out of here because uh, MotoGP will be back this weekend at Catalonia. One of the better rounds on the calendar for MotoGP. Holy smokes. How many times are they going to replay 2009 again before we get to this race on Sunday? Again. Uh, again and again and again. Uh, but who keep cares? running it. Great. Keep doing it. Yeah, MotoGP this weekend. Catalonia, we're going back-to-back, baby. It's going to be fun. Let's see if Miguel Oliveira can maybe retain his title from last year's win. And, hey, maybe Fabio will keep his chest protector in this time. Who knows? Right, let's get out of here. I've been Dre Harrison. They've been Ryan Eric King, Cam Buckley, and RJ O'Connell. Social media, you know where to find us. All that is on our website, motorsport101.com. Check us out on then. Until then, sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. Get well soon, Mark. And Ayumu Sasaki, who broke both his collarbones this weekend in the motor. Oh, weekend as well, poor guy. Geez. Get well soon, Ayumu Sasaki. Mm.